walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the Become Podcast. Good morning. This is Jeff Given with you again on the first Tuesday of each month, and we are now in the season of Advent. It's a season of waiting, as as, uh, we might know, but it's also a season of darkness, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, and we'll we'll touch on that a bit later. It's also a season of chilly weather and barren trees and possibly snow, uh, but at the very least, cold, a season of cold. Um, At at least it's supposed to be here. Here in Southern California, we're still kind of waiting on that part, but we'll get there. The dark nights, though, that part is, is already and still very much a reality. And, and darkness, as a metaphor, can mean a whole multitude of things. Most often, when, when darkness is invoked, it's to, to draw our minds to something that must be overcome, something that must be beaten back or avoided altogether. Um, think, you know, Lord of the Rings, lightness versus the dark. Um, this sort of dualistic narrative um, or, or darkness as inability to see or a lack of warmth and light. These are the kind of metaphors that um, I think we're most familiar with. But as, as Pastor Courtney reminded us on Sunday, darkness is also the place where Advent begins, the place really where everything begins. The first incarnation, when when God placed God's self into the darkness of the cosmos, the birth of the eternal Christ, or as, as Paul puts it, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of of all creation. This Christ, and I'm not talking about um, the baby Jesus here, that's that's the second great incarnation that, that we're heading towards in Advent, but we're, we're looking back um, to the first incarnation. We're talking about the eternal Christ, the one who is before all things and and in whom all things hold together, uh, the one in whom we live and move and have our being, the essence of the divine. We're, we're talking Genesis here, uh, creation story. This image of the invisible God entered into the darkness of the universe, of the cosmos, as all of creation was being born. That's a darkness to be welcomed and embraced and stepped into. 
The darkness can be frightful, but it is also a place of new beginnings and of rebirths. It's a place of, of stirring and transforming. It's the place where we are regenerated and rejuvenated, a place of rest and depth and stillness. Because that same Christ, that eternal Christ, enters into our places of darkness, our places of fear, of despair, of loneliness, of shame. That very darkness where new light might be birthed in us. All the way back in April, I recorded a podcast uh, episode looking at Psalm 139, focusing on a different aspect of that psalm. But this morning, I want to highlight the way the psalmist uh, plays a bit with this idea of darkness and light, not as dueling opposites, but as something... Um, something more integrated, something more like like dancing partners. Um, and so to sort of give a, a vibe to this reading of this sort of back and forth dance um, that I that I see in this psalm, I'm gonna have my son Easton uh, help help read this with me. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I am ready. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. When I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn. If I ride my wings on the dawn. If I settle, if I settle on the far side of the sea, if what is it called again? If I settle on the far side of the sea, if I settle on the far away sea, even there, even there, your hand will guide me. Your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me. And the light. And the light. Become night. Become night. Around me. Around me. Even the darkness. Even the darkness. Will not be dark to you. Will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The night will shine like the day. For darkness. For darkness is as light. Is a light to you. To you. Good job, Bear. <laughs> is that fun? Yes, it is fun. That's my main man right there. My my dancing partner. Uh, and even in our relationship, uh, Easton's and mine, they're 
there's this element of darkness and light that are not opposed to each other, um, but are, are bouncing off one another and illuminating one another. Um, every, every horrific temper tantrum, his or mine, really comes from a place of deep love and, and a sense that this connection is maybe being strained in that moment. Um, and also some of the deepest joys I've ever experienced have been while, while desperately holding him late at night, utterly exhausted and afraid, uh, fearful of the future, overwhelmed by, by feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness as a parent. <laughs> And, and just, just as a person in general at times. And in that very darkness, in that very darkness is often where I've experienced something new, something beautiful, something more whole and, and connected. And as I, as I weep, with his sleeping body in my arms and, and maybe tearfully mutter a, a quiet song, I experience a profound joy and an illuminating warmth right there in the darkness, not opposed to the darkness, not in spite of the darkness, but because of it and within it. And if, if you listen to uh, the Great Is Thy Faithfulness episode that I did last month, uh, this would be one of those grief by grief, mourning by mourning, new mercies I see. One of those kind of glimpses. I think of um, a couple friends, uh, Kim, Kim and Henry Crawford Martinez. They moved from the States to Australia uh, several years ago, which is, of course, in the Southern, southern Hemisphere. Um, and what I most wanted to know from them, well, first was whether the Coriolis effect was a real thing. Um, you know, that would cause toilets to flush in a different direction. Never got an answer on that. Um, yeah, yeah, it probably only applies to large bodies of water. Uh, but what I also wanted to know was what it was like to experience um, our wintertime in the north, uh, which is when, uh, when Christians all over the world celebrate Christmas, what that would be like in the, in the Southern Hemisphere when they're, they're in their summer season. And what I learned was how weak the experience of decorating a home uh, or a Christmas tree in the Southern Hemisphere can be because it's still so light out at night 
the candles are hardly noticeable. The, the Christmas tree lights are faint. Uh, any outdoor lights strung up are unremarkable and dim unless you wait until very, very, very late at night. And even then, it's not quite that dark. It turns out we need the darkness, even for our symbolic decorations, just as we need the darkness in our own lives. The Christian anthropologist and writer Alexander Shia, he likes to say that we, we don't illuminate our Christmas candles, we don't illuminate our Advent candles to overwhelm the darkness, but to decorate it. We don't illuminate these candles to overwhelm the darkness, but to decorate it. Because the darkness is, is just as much of an integral part of our lived experience as is the light. The night is not to be feared. The night is not to be feared. It's a necessary, good, healthy part of life and vitality and, and the rhythms of creation. We need darkness. The darkness is necessary for our thriving, for our regeneration and rejuvenation. It, in simple terms, we, uh, we got to sleep. We have to sleep. We, we rest better in the darkness. It's where our day begins. It's the beginning of something new. And we can't, we can't move forward into something new if we don't do that beginning well. And the darkness is the beginning. So let's do it well. And I can tell you from far too much experience that uh, all-nighters to, to stay up and study, um, all-nighters, which are really the, reje the rejection of darkness, um, sort of the, the denial of the existence of darkness, that lifestyle cannot be sustained. I know that for a fact. It's, it's no way to live. We cannot reject the darkness and live. And so we don't reject it. We don't reject the darkness. We don't oppose it. We, in this, in this way of seeing, in this kind of non-dualistic metaphor, in this integrated way, we step into it. We welcome it. We rest in it. We embrace it. We, we step outside and we breathe in that crisp air that only a dark night can bring. And it's no wonder we've come to celebrate Christmas, the second great incarnation, the, the birth of Jesus, God in flesh appearing. It's no wonder we've come to celebrate this moment during the coldest, 
darkest months of the year because it is right in the dead of winter in the deepest dark and the coldest cold when all hope seems lost there and then is precisely where the Christ wants to be born in us again. The chaos and uncertainty of darkness, of winter, this isn't a break in the pattern. It is the pattern. Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars and their courses above join with all nature, not just the sunny, warm parts of nature, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. So are we willing to step into that darkness to let it wash over us, to sit in the uncertainty, the pain, the anguish, the loss, and discover what new light might be born in us, right there in the beautiful and terrifying darkness. It is good to be with you this Advent season. May we enter into the darkness together with hope, with peace, with joy, and with love. Because the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thanks be to God.